that's when you're going to need recall. When your dog is running away from you, when your dog is smelling something they're really interested in or going to pick up something dead or roll in something gross, you want to be able to call them no matter what it is in front of you, drop it, come see me. Hey, what's up? Hello, it's Liz Foley, your favorite dog trainer, and welcome back to another episode of Honest to Dog Podcast. Liz is joined as usual by me, Jeff Gadway, and today we are talking about recall. So Liz, when it comes to recall, how often do people looking to work with you have issues with recall or how, how much does it come up that it's something they want to work on? Mm-hmm. So first of all, recall, what we're talking about here today is your dog being able to come on command, right? So every time you call your dog and they're running in the opposite direction, they turn on a dime and come back to you. So it really comes down to relevance. So it's really quite a common thing I'm contacted for for training. My dog, whenever he's off leash, plays hard to get, like can't grab him, will not come, starts bolting faster in the other direction. Yeah, that's something I hear quite a bit. Why is recall important both to dog owners as well as just as a fundamental skill set that you should have with your dog? Recall is a life-saving command, really. So you should be able to prevent your dog from running into oncoming traffic by being able to call them by name and tell them where to go. Um, So for me, that's really essential. So if you do not have recall, like at 100% accuracy, don't do off-leash is my suggestion because it can be dangerous. I wonder too, is recall something that's important to dog owners just because you, you touched on this right off the top. It's about relevancy, right? And a feeling of closeness to your dog. And so you you want to feel like they want to be around you. or I don't know. That's mm-hmm. not putting the well, right words to it, but... I get that. Well, it's a... It's a sign of respect, your dog listening to you, even out in a public space where there's way more distraction. That's why we talk about relevance and why it's important to your dog. But it really comes down to, do you trust your dog and does your dog respect you? Ooh, I like that. And so people who come to you with issues around recall, what do you usually hear? Is it that the dog just blows them off and... It's kind of like wah, 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 wah. Or the dog, you know, looks and says, oh, okay, my human is trying to communicate something to me, but I don't know what to do. A little bit of both. Um, A lot of the time dogs tune out humans because we talk too much, right? So I don't like repeating commands. I make that really important part of training. Say it once and mean it. Um, But when it comes to off-leash, how can we mean it when our dog is running away or just blatantly tuning us out? And so we're left to repeat the command. And I I would see that all the time at dog parks where they'd be calling and calling and calling and then getting frustrated and then offer a treat and then go back to frustration. And so with every repetition of using the command, it becomes less and less meaningful and the human becomes less and less confident that their dog's going to listen so that trust goes away and we've already established that dog doesn't have respect for its human you said something a couple of minutes ago that perfect recall should be a prerequisite for any kind of Mm off-leash privilege for folks who are listening and maybe aren't sure if where their recall sits on a spectrum of 
non-existent to Liz Foley perfection. <laughs> what does perfect recall look like? Kind of walk us through mm -hmm. what what a gold standard would be. Well, if your dog doesn't listen to you inside the home, they're not going to listen to you even in your backyard, most likely. So start in the home, making sure that your dog listens to you when you communicate and like practice, practice recall. People do not practice it enough in low distraction areas to make sure it's super tight and they expect it of their dog in these high distraction areas. So they're not doing what I refer to as dress rehearsals, the practice before the big performance. Um, so you should have it in your house. You should have it in your backyard. And as a safekeeping, like it, with the leash dragging, can your dog on a trail really simply turn and follow you? So I do have clients practice once they're ready, drop leash walking again to make sure that if they change direction, that alone the dog pays attention to stays with their human. I still remember one of the first times, this goes back a long time, the first time I took Carmen to... Mm -hmm. <laughs> it wasn't a dog park, but it's like a hydro cut where An unofficial dog park, unofficial dog park. Yeah. Hydro fields in Toronto are dog parks. That's right. <laughs> and I took her solo. You weren't with me. You were already doing off leash stuff with Carmen yep. and you had nailed being able to confidently just tell her to stop. Mm -hmm. And that was, you know, you, you, you referred to it as a life saving command, mm -hmm. but she would stop on a dime and then wait for further instruction and you could say, come here. And she would come right back in 100%, like right back to your side. Mm -hmm. Perfect recall. Is, that's what I yeah. picture that as. And I remember I took her and how long would we have been dating at that point for? A couple of years yeah, for maybe. sure. I mean, it wasn't like it was a new relationship, but this was like another level. Like we had a dog now, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. It was your dog. But we had a dog and you were entrusting me with the responsibility to take her. I was so scared <laughs> that my recall wouldn't be there. And I was playing it out in my mind. I'm like, I'm going to let her off leash at the hydro field and she's going to take off and I'm not going to be able to get her to come back and I'm going to lose this girl's dog. And, <laughs> you know, like, of course, worst case scenario, doomsday scenario. But lo and behold, because Carmen was amazing, I was able to let her off and almost right away, I just tested the recall. Like she took yeah. a few steps and I tested it and she stopped, planted her feet, her three paws <laughs> and looked back and was like, okay, he's serious. What does he want? And then I knew, I knew that it, we were going to be good. Yeah. Well, I love that you pointed that out because it's something I do naturally, but I don't think I realized that I do it. Um, and then it was a client I was training that pointed it out to me, but set a boundary really early on, right? Don't wait until you need it. It becomes a clear expectation for the dog. You, you've you done a little bit of a, a check to make sure, are we, are we vibing here? Are yeah. we kind of on the same page? Are we in sync? And then you can move forward more confidently that you can trust your dog and you, you know that your dog respects you. And so, yeah, when I... I think it was when I was training Seth and Mandy with Lucy. I, I always say, okay, what did I do differently than you did? And he said, well, you set a boundary way earlier on, way earlier than I would have. And I was like, oh my God, I do do that. Thank you for pointing that out. That's something now I'm going to work into my training so that I can help clients because I didn't realize I was doing that. It just became, it was so automatic from working at the doghouse and with packs of dogs 
the first thing I need you to do is trust and respect me. So anyway. No, I love it. I love it. And that's such an astute observation on Seth's part. Yes, very smart guy. Very smart guy. So let's get into how to establish recall. So whether you haven't ever trained your dog on this before Mm because they're a puppy or they are a dog you've had for a while and your recall doesn't live up to Liz Foley's standard. (laughs) How do you go about teaching recall to a dog? Okay, so it comes down to a few things. Being extremely consistent and leaning on tools. So whether it's a puppy or an adult dog, whether you just adopted a dog, you're changing its name, whatever it is, leave that leash on that dog um, when it's with you. So out of the crate, it can be wandering in the house per se, but it's got a long enough leash that you feel comfortable that should it wander a little too far, you can call that dog. And this is where I talk about like follow through and the importance of it and how we make a command meaningful is that we close the loop. So if I call you, and you don't come, I'm not going to repeat it. I'm going to go take your leash and bring you to me. Okay. So the other thing is too, I do purposeful, intentional training with recall. I don't just use it in the moment. So to set that command and be like, this is what I mean, you might start with, and this is what you tend to see in obedience. And sure, it's what we did in our puppy class at Doghouse is when you're teaching your puppy sit, I layer it, sit, sit, stay, sit, stay, come, right? And that's great for your obedience, but for real world training, how I make sure that command becomes bomb proof is I'm now going to take you out in the backyard and allow you to go into complete explore mode and then call you because that's when you're gonna need recall, when your dog is running away from you, when your dog is smelling something they're really interested in or gonna pick up something dead or roll in something gross. You wanna be able to call them and be like, no matter what it is in front of you, drop it, come see me. So using really, really meaningful reinforcement for that dog. I always say like, make it a big deal. Like when your dog is coming in towards you too, as they're coming, start cheering them on right? I see you making that good choice. Yeah, yeah. And I repeat the command. That's when I'm going to repeat it. Good job. Good come, Charlie. Good boy. Thank you so much. Good come, Charlie. Like a couple times, like pump your dog up. Make it feel good. Now contrast that with what you see a lot of people doing that might be the wrong approach. Yeah. So because people don't take as much time usually training the command when they're using it in the situation and their dog isn't responding, they don't question, hmm, maybe I should practice this more with my dog. They tend to just get frustrated. Why doesn't he know? Why doesn't he know his name? And when I call him, and so the second that your energy becomes frustrated, your dog's not gonna wanna run towards you. So not having the right energy. How they call their dog too matters. When I call a dog, I am very intentional with my words. I am giving direction. A lot of times people use a high-pitched voice and they don't really sound as committed. It's almost like they go up at the end. (laughs) Charlie, Charlie, (laughs) Charlie, are you coming? (laughs) And then the repeating of commands, like I mentioned, getting more and more frustrated. Negotiating usually comes in as a tactic. Treat, treat, Charlie want to treat? Our dogs, I just looked at them on place and I was like, did anyone even flinch? No, our dogs don't 
use like recognize that word even because right. we don't do that. We don't bribe them. And then rewarding at the right time, like especially when I'm training that and I really want you to get good at, good at it, I'm going to have a celebration. I do. I tell clients like celebrate, celebrate that. Your dog just did that. Great. Sure. If they get too excited, we can put the brakes on. That's fine. But I want that dog to really want to come running to you. Yeah. You said something a, a couple of seconds ago about not repeating. Mm-hmm. Can you just elaborate on that? Because I feel like, you know, and you see it at dog parks, you mm-hmm. see it just people who baker, 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 mm-hmm. baker, that's not recall, Mm-mm. right? No. If your dog comes out the eighth time you call them, that's not recall. <laughs> that's borderline compliance, giving you the bare minimum, right? Yeah. So what ends up happening is that dog doesn't learn to come the first time you call them. They learn to come the third time or the eighth time, right? So this is something I pointed out to a client on the weekend doing a private lesson. What was the command that she had given? It might have been, oh, I know what it was. It was the recall, getting her dog released from place. And I said, okay, what's the word you've been using? And she said, okay. And so I said, okay, demonstrate for me. And she went, okay, okay, okay. And then he came off and it was like, oh, he literally thinks, okay, 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 is the command right. for release. And I pointed that out and she she laughed hysterically. She's like, oh my gosh, every time. Like, give it a beat. Allow the dog to process. Mm-hmm. Charlie, come, right? That, that moment, like those little breaks and then you don't have to. So that's why I use the dog's name first, something that they're going to be used to hearing that refers to them, right? Especially like me working with packs of dogs, making sure that I'm not just going to call out randomly come and hope that the dog that I'm referring to does come to me. I'm going to use their name and then I'm going to give the command, the direction. That's really, I hadn't quite thought about it like that, but I really like that. The name first is getting them to tune in. Mm -hmm. Oh, my human has something. And then you provide the input or the direction. Mm -hmm. And then if I'm hearing you correct in terms of how to condition this, you give them the command once. Mm -hmm. And if they start moving towards you, then you can encourage, you can encourage, you can use, you know, like a reward. And if they don't, you're not going to repeat the command Mm -hmm. because we've already established that command doesn't have any meaning yet. Mm -hmm. Instead, you're going to use one of your tools to initiate that movement coming Mm -hmm. towards you. And then you're going to reinforce that behavior and then you start coupling it together. Yes. And that's why I like using a leash actually better than that. I like using a long line at least 15 feet, if not longer, so that I don't have to get all the way to the dog because I'm not always going to do this for you. I'm just giving you assistance here. I'm giving you further direction to help you in making this decision the next time because going and getting the dog by the collar that's an option too but i like to be able at a distance to pick up the leash put the bare minimum of pressure on it a little and then maybe increase kind of reel in a touch just until the dog starts moving forward on their own and then i'm still going to reward that when that dog comes in i might not be as pumped as if he did it on his own accord completely but again that's the behavior I do want to reinforce, so I want to keep it going. When when dogs do end up coming to their person, even if it was after the eighth time they called, what do they usually do? They kind of scold the dog. 
what took you so long? I called you like three friggin' times. Get oh. over here. Right? Now you've created a negative association. Yeah. So now your dog's not going to want to come when you get mad at them. Of course not. So that's one thing to be mindful of, right? And so like I always tell clients too, if your dog is running away from you and you are and you are scared and like I get it, your go-to emotion is going to be probably anger, frustration more towards yourself for letting it happen probably. And because you're scared, something might happen to your dog, but you can't lose your cool. And I'm always like, don't chase the dog. Be calm. Make your body language low. Even go in the opposite direction. Um, Sometimes those are ways to get a dog to come into your space so you don't have to go to them. Yeah. Since we're talking about moving away versus moving towards, there was something when I was at TCW that Caesar talked about in terms of only using your dog's name Mm -hmm. when they're coming towards you when you're trying to teach come can can you just maybe unpack that and and talk about that mm-hmm. uh, as it relates to either teaching your dog their name mm-hmm. or you're changing their name or or when it comes to teaching come yeah so that was teaching a dog its name so just so that it starts to recognize that that re- refers to them when they're coming towards you, that's only when you should be using their name, never when they're moving away from you. Um, and that's just, it's such a simple, simple hack to accelerate your training, right? And to eliminate any confusion. And so we did that with Blue and he learned his new name like in three days. So what would you use then if he's moving away? You don't want to say, hey, Blue, because it's, Mm-mm. Right. What would you do to get that attention back? I would I would probably go, no. And then either like this way or, and then as he's coming, good boy, Blue. Good yeah. boy, Blue. Yeah. That's a good boy, Blue. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I remember we did that in the hotel in mm-hmm. California as we were starting to condition him to his new name. We did that at home. And, and you're right. It worked like a charm. And now when he hears his name, he just popped his head up on place when we were saying that. But he didn't get off place. Like, good, good boy. Blue, you're my boy. Yeah. Um, that now that can be, even as he's running away, say his name, it registers. And then he looks over and you go, this, like, come or this way, whatever it is. And he's, yeah. Something else I'm thinking about, and maybe this is triggered by telling that story about Carmen at the hydro field, but, or maybe it was just because Carmen was street smart. She might mm-hmm. not have been mm-hmm. super intellectually smart. <laughs> and so we like to keep things really simple with her. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, dogs are instinctual animals. They're not rational animals. You can't have conversations with them. They can't understand them. So what what are your thoughts around keeping your commands, whether it's recall or any command for that matter, just really simple? Mm-hmm. That's a really good point. Yeah, short and sweet. Um, I remember early training days, it was emphasized to me to really enunciate, over-enunciate. Okay. So sit. I didn't want to do it that loud for our listeners, but like really enunciate things. Um, but yeah, don't overcomplicate it. The shorter, the simpler you make it, the better. I'm thinking about with Carmen, I would say, Carmen, stop. So like you said, the Carmen is, oh, this is intended for you. And mm-hmm. then the second word is the direction or Carmen come or even just like with our even with these dogs tie place 
I try to eliminate the go to your plate, like mm. just fewer words equals better, right? They don't need verbs and adverbs and pronouns and mm-hmm. nouns, just very simple associations that, that resonate more quickly. Is is that overthinking it or? No, that makes sense. Um, I just, I mean, I even ask dogs, can you please sit? You know, I talk to them kind of like humans. Yeah. They still understand me, but I'm very clear with my energy and intention. That probably has more to do with it than anything. Yeah. And since you're touching on that, what about with recall? Like what kind of energy should you be projecting? Because I feel like maybe people, they're, they're, they're using the words, but they're not backing it up. Yeah, that's why I pointed out like having conviction and believing it, not making it a question, not making it a plea. Mm. Uh, please, please, please come this way. Please come back to me. Oh. No, it's you better come right now. There's something urgent we need to speak about. Yeah. But, you know, and I think a lot of people, they might think, oh, well, that's being too harsh. It's not. It's it's being resolute. It's being firm. Like when I hear you, like if the dogs bolt on us at like a dog park or I don't know, there's a squirrel or something, I don't know. And I hear your level of conviction and intensity versus mine, it's 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 next level, right? It's It's the... Kids about to walk off of the sidewalk into traffic, and you know you really need to just shut that down. Mm-hmm. It's not coming from a place of frustration or oh, malice no, no. or anything like that. It's just meaning what you say and saying what you mean. Well, it's a command, right? So I think of a commander. You're right. giving an order. Yeah. Right. All your soldiers must follow through on that. Okay. So the dictionary uh, definition for command. Verb, give an authoritative order or dominate from a superior height. I like that though. So just even think about the origin of the word. Command, be be convincing, be believable. Mm-hmm. Know that your dog will come back because that's, that's the other thing is we talk about all the time, your energy and your intention and visualization and what what you want to happen will be really a result of what you think will happen. Um, and so I know that when I say to my dogs, hey, stop, I know they're going to do it. Mm-hmm. So I know that sounds probably super hippy dippy, but a big part of like how the mind works and how energy works and how everything works is belief first. So almost picturing the outcome that you want, envisioning your dog stopping, envisioning your dog coming back to you mm-hmm. and then channeling that into the directive that you're providing. And like always, the real secret is being super, super dialed into your dog. Like nothing else exists when I give that command. It's not half-hearted. Everything I'm fully invested in. Oh, I like that. So when I give those commands, I'm projecting that energy, right? And you can envision it like you put down a wall that's coming down that blocks your dog from moving any farther away from you. Mm-hmm. And maybe you have an invisible string attached to your dog that brings them right back to you. I often talk about how leadership to me is like being gravity or a magnet because everything kind of just flows to you very easily, right? It's like, yeah, of course my dog comes and walks right beside me without me even calling because things happen around me. I make things I don't make, what is that? What's the song I'm thinking of? I don't dance. I make money moves. So 
anyways. I like it. If that makes any sense. It does. No, I really like that. I like that idea of the visualization and having some almost metaphors that you're pictures you're painting in your mind to help reinforce what it is that you want. You always talk about energy as being what do you want and how do you feel? Mm -hmm. And so to be able to visualize that, to bring it into clearer focus for you, like I can, I can totally picture at that Heath Valley trail when I take the boys and I let them off, being able to use something like that, especially with Ty, if he's starting to, to, you know, use eyes and gets fixated on a a cattle or, you know, like a, a, a bunny or something like that, like that would really help me to have conviction and, provide really clear unwavering direction Mm -hmm. in that moment Mm -hmm. i love that i just thought of another cool one imagine you're you're calling your dog's name is like shooting out your cast when you're fishing and then your come command is like reeling in that fish are you a professional angler because those were some like high tech terms there oh your cast and yeah i like that did you see my look of concern as I was saying those words, being like, I'm not sure if I am accurate at all. <laughs> I love it. But I hope Ben Austin is proud of me from BAK9. So I just had a couple more quick questions. And really, this is to impart the importance of focusing on recall now and starting in low distraction environments inside the home. Mm, Why right. is it important to do this in the winter before springtime comes along. I think a lot of people are like, oh, I'll just wait till we can go to a field and work on recall. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'd be working on it now because once the snow melts, there is so much scent on the ground and creatures are coming back out of hibernation and our dog's sense of smell is just overwhelmingly powerful. So that's often a time you see dogs go missing, take off running, not come when called, get hit by cars, things like that. And so you want to be ahead of that. You don't want to be training or relying on kind of spotty recall in the spring. It should be really solid. So practice that now. And so with training perfect recall, you want to be really, really strict with how much freedom you do give your dog. So They have to earn that freedom by showing that they're checking in more, that they are responding the first time you call them, things like that. Then that allows you more and more freedom. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it's so funny. I feel like over the last several months, your philosophy on baby steps and crawl, walk, run, Mm -hmm. it's a theme that keeps coming up again and again and again, whether it's recall like this or conditioning your dog to a treadmill or to the car or anything, a lot of people want to jump right to the end result Mm -hmm. and work on it in the highest, most complex scenario possible versus let's focus on recall in the living room where there are zero distractions. I have complete control over my environment. I have no fear that my dog is going to run off. Like the risk is next to zero. Mm -hmm. And yet I think, I don't know if it's that we are an impatient species and we want things say. right away <laughs> or if we overestimate our own capabilities sometimes I but there is that for sure there's no shame in starting at a crawl mm-hmm. right so really for me too if your dog doesn't walk nicely on leash then it shouldn't have off leash mm-hmm. so start with on leash can you mm-hmm. get a loose leash follow 
that's a good indication that your dog respects you. Then maybe you graduate to a drop leash walk and then an explore walk, but you're still on that long line. So I can always follow through so that I can still remain relevant so I can keep you out of danger. Um, and then last step is once you fully have it, right, that off-leash control, and, or if you're still not comfortable with that, that's a great time to have e-collar as just your safekeeping. Um, so there's so many options. There's so many things. I wanted to point out too that even in your own home in a controlled environment, you can still add elements of challenge Okay. because you want to have distractions in place that you can still get your dog to work around. Um, so a big one can be food on the ground, ah. right? Like some leftover steak here, some bacon there. Um, and have your dog stay on one end and you call them to you or you leave a treat for them on one end. So they're enjoying that. And then you, so we're not doing that sit, stay, come is my point. Um, so they're enjoying their treat on one side and then they have to walk down a, hallway of treats to you start simple make it easy for the dog to learn that this is this is it but really you should listen to me over any temptation right and food temptation is probably somewhere up there maybe with squirrels and other dogs probably more intense though because you've talked before about how much of the brain is committed to the nose mm -hmm. and so you know just ooh, this is an interesting theory nose eyes ears would nose distractions be more powerful than eyes distractions than ears distractions? Mm. You know what? That sounds like a great question for Caesar Milan because the way that I think about it, my automatic response is no, not necessarily mm -hmm. because I don't use redirection when a dog is super fixated on something with their eyes. It's very hard to get their nose back into to gear. Uh, ooh, that's really interesting. And But it also depends on the dog. And how, sure. How some dogs aren't very good at using their nose because they're so overstimulated by <laughs> eyes and ears. <laughs> that is dying. Unlike Car Carmen was so oh nose, gosh, right? Yeah. So nose. So I just want to ask you maybe two final really quick things. A lot of what we talked about today around building relevancy and recall is founded on trust and respect. Mm -hmm. I think some other schools of training will tell you things like, well, you need to be more exciting to mm, your dog yeah. than the thing. Like if your dog is really excited about a squirrel, you need to be more excited to your dog than that squirrel or what have you. How does that play in or not to this equation? Um, for me, it kind of depends on how you choose to reinforce. Um, so for having a dog leave something alone, it doesn't always have to be exciting. But if my redirection is play, then I'm going to be a little bit more exciting. But I don't use play as reinforcement a whole heck of a lot right. myself. Um, so and that's not really something as much as me that I would use to as my go to for training. Will that work? For probably some happy-go-lucky dogs who aren't that focused, um, but that's something that you want to be really, really careful with timing. You might just get your dog more jazzed about looking at that squirrel. Right. Oh, you could be reinforcing. Yeah. I just think about what you said right off the top about why recall is such an important tool from a safety perspective. Mm. 
if my dog is about to walk out into oncoming traffic, I want them to listen from a place of trust and respect and not have to try to be playful in yeah, order to get- Yeah, you're not gonna get... just start doing cartwheels and somersaults and be like, this way. Yeah, yeah, yeah like so So I, I think I think now that I've been enlightened with dog psychology since some of those earlier methodologies, like I just don't believe in that yeah, well, really it's, anymore. Yeah, well, it's shiny object theory. Like yeah. you're, you're hoping on a prayer that this will be enough to distract your dog from that. Ah. And, and that dogs are smarter than that. Yeah. They're way smarter than that. That might, they might fall for that a couple times. Um, but a lot of dogs will just blow that off eventually. And then last thing, final thing. I've heard you talk about recall as one of those tools or skill sets that's kind of a use it or lose it type of thing. Mm -hmm. What do you mean by that? Just like working out, putting in the reps. Like I'm just trying to think of like a boxer doesn't just just wait for their fights and only work out then they do work to prepare themselves mm. for those things. So, and it's like, you don't just brush your teeth the day before you go to your dentist, you brush your teeth every day. So making sure you're finding some way to practice the the commands that are super important to you. Maybe downs are really important to you because you take your dog shopping, right? And so you need your dog to be able to lie in a down when you're picking out groceries or whatever it is. But if you want off-leash recall, practice it. Right. And it can be a really, really good way to check your relevancy. If you haven't practiced it in a while, can you do it in your backyard? Can you increase challenge? But it's also such a cool way to bond. I love doing that even just at the doghouse. When we had daycare going on, I'd just be like, hmm, let's practice puppies recall. And like the joy that would come across their face when they're like, oh, me, Liz wants me. Oh my God, I'm going to go see Liz. I'm going to go see I'm the my, chosen one. Yeah, I'm going to go see the principal. It wasn't a bad thing at the doghouse going to see the principal. Um, but like in nurture that. And like, it's just so cool because then I would look at them and then they'd want to come back and be around me. And they had 20, 25 other dogs they could be playing with. It's just a really cool way to become that magnet. Yeah. Thanks for sharing your point of view and perspective and some really helpful tools around establishing rock solid recall. This is great. Awesome. Get out there and practice your recall with your dog before spring comes around. And until next time, stay calm and assertive. Bye. If you like what you heard, hit that subscribe button and leave us a comment or a review. We'd love to hear from you. We release a new podcast weekly. Follow us on Instagram at Honest to Dog Podcast. Honest to Dog Podcast is hosted by Liz Foley and Jeff Gadway. The show is engineered, edited, and produced by me, Timothy Musa. Check out doghouse.ca. D-O-G-H-A-U-S dot C-A.